Holy Spirit, we thank you for family. We thank you for adopting us into the kingdom of God, out, out of a kingdom of darkness into glorious light, God. We thank you that heaven was bankrupt so that we could be a son and a daughter of God. We are so thankful for family. And God, we believe in, in, in fam family can change Canada. Family can change Canada. God, we pray for functional families of God, that your healing dysfunction in the church, your dis healing dysfunction in homes, and God, there are children being raised up with revival in the living room, Father God. We thank you for a legacy of family revival. As for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. And I just bless this house as a house of family revival. I bless this house, Lord, as a place where marriages are restored and families are re reunited, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Canada. We just pray for a family revival all across Canada, Lord, that there would be a spirit of adoption, that there would be a spirit of Elijah returning the hearts to the fathers and the fathers to the son. God, would you do it in Canada? Would you restore Canada? Would you heal the land? Would you heal families in Jesus' name? And everybody said... You know, if the enemy can attack your marriage, he doesn't have to attack the church. So, you know, this whole adoption journey that we've been on, we feel like our life has been almost like a parable because it's, it's, we're learning what God did to adopt us into family, that he gave everything, that it cost him everything. He says, you are worth it. You are worth it. Jesus said, you are worth it to bring you into family. I'll go through whatever suffering, I'll go through whatever hell to bring you into family. Family, I, I'm, I'm so thankful to be with the family of God this morning. I'm thankful to be with you guys. You know, I, I, I really honor your pastors because I, for three years, I've been, I've been, it's been a dream of mine to come here and be with you guys because I really believe that this church, this ministry has uh, healing for families, for the family of God as a nation of Canada. That, that, that this actually, this house is going to teach churches how to do family revival. How to move in like the glory and miracles, signs, wonders, all the wild stuff, but, but how to also go through the mess with people and go through the hard stuff and just love you no matter, nobody escapes family. <laughs> nobody gets out, nobody escapes, we're blood. Jesus paid the blood, nobody, we're blood. We're blood, and, and I'm going to have my back, I'm going to have your back, and you're going to have my back, and we're going to be brothers and family of God in arms. You know, that's what the world is looking for. They're looking for family. They're looking to belong. And so um, there was, uh, there was uh, a guy named Sean Bowles. Have anybody heard of him? <laughs> he came to Stony Plain in February about two years ago. And uh, I was there in the meetings, and he never met me, but I was, uh, I was in the meeting, and you know, my, my wife's name is Rita, my son, his name is Dax, and we've been going through this crazy adoption journey since December 2011. My, we moved there, we left the ministry, and then God brought us back into ministry, but uh, we gave up everything to go and just adopt this child. We fell in love with our, 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 our son, and, uh, and it, was just, it was just this wild journey of God teaching me not to be a minister, but to be a dad. To give up the titles and give up all that stuff and the politics and just say, just learn to pour into my son. Because that's what, what God did to his son, and it changed the world. And so God says, this is how the world is going to change. Powerful fathers and mothers raising powerful sons and daughters. This is how the world is going to change. 
This is how my kingdom is coming. And so, uh, so we're there in Jamaica. And my, my wife is still there. She might be watching on the, on the live stream. And my son might be watching on the live stream right now. And so they send their love. As well as Sammy and Charlie from Voice of Revival. We're on this national tour. We're starting in Vancouver. We're going all the way. Six cities all the way. And we're recording revival in every single province. How is God moving in revival in Vancouver? So I'm here with you guys today. We're starting in Vancouver, we're starting in Abbotsford, we're starting in Langley, and we're seeing what God is doing in in every province. God is moving in crazy miracles, so we get to go and document it. We're on this wild adventure. But anyway, um, uh, uh, we're we're there in this meeting, and and Sean calls out, he he says, is there a Rita in the room? That was my wife's name. You know that thing that he does, that crazy thing that he does? And he says, is there a Rita in the room? (laughs) <laughs> and I said, well, that's my wife's name. He says, well, I have three dates. Do these dates mean anything to you? He says, May 30th. And I said, well, that's my wife's birthday. And then he says, what about May 11th? Does that mean anything to you? I'm like, well, that's my birthday. <laughs> and he says, what about August 21st? Does that, does that mean anything to you? I said, that's our anniversary. And at this point, I knew it must be God because I remembered all the dates. I, I never remember all the dates. That's, that, you know, my wife does. She's the detail person. <laughs> and at this point, I'm weeping because it meant so much to me that he, he called out my wife. Like, God highlighted my wife, who's there in Jamaica without her family, on the front lines, raising this football player of a son. To, you know, and, and so it meant so much. I'm just bawling. I'm losing it because I, I, God is calling us out. And we're in the middle of a battle for our son's life. And, and, and so he says, I see the hand of humanity on your adoption case. He says, I see it's been trying to hold back. I see there's been missing paperwork and there's been corruption. And he called out everything that we've been dealing with in, this, in our situation. He called out everything. But I see the hand of humanity is losing its grip. And that your story is going to be a testimony to the whole church community that adoption is always worth it no matter what the cost. And I'm just weeping. He says, but I see the ministry of adoption. You were born and you were married for the ministry of adoption. He said, but I see that that ministry is also going on to your son and that your son is going to be like a Moses who's raised in royalty, but he's going to go back and set his people free. And so I, I've, do you know how many times we've hung on to this word? Do you know why I like prophetic ministry? Because it encourages you, it edifies you, it builds you up when you need it most. It's the word of God over your life. And no matter what circumstances stand in the way, we believe that the God word, God's word is true. So, so the next year, we're at the Supreme Court of Jamaica, you guys. And, and the judge says, what is taking so long? And, and, he, and the judge starts to side with us, you guys. And they said that, that this case, our case, could set a precedence in Jamaica for thousands of orphans to be adopted. You know, sometimes God takes you through something. He takes you to a place of suffering. He takes you through the hard thing, not because he's a bad God, but because he knows that the same spirit that raised God from the dead, Christ in you is the hope of glory, that you have a resurrection life and he needs some kind of ambassador to go to places of suffering, places of chaos, and to go and hug suffering until it's cured. Come on, we carry the answer. Your resurrection life lives on the inside of you and is begging to get out. Not because it doesn't like you. (laughs) But come on, if this is true, we got to be careful when we walk by graveyards, you guys. 
Resurrection, if this is true, this would change everything that we do. Resurrection life, the hope of glory lives on the inside of you. Lives on the inside of you and is looking to be released. So I believe in, in family revival, you guys. This is uh, tjgreen.ca is our website, and we have some product back there. And we just want to give it away for donation. We want to bless you. This is called Stewarding Personal Revival. This is uh, a time in my life when we experienced 30 days outpouring in Sylvan Lake, and a Christian school got shut down because the teachers were all laid out under the power of God, and they didn't even believe in it. And they're all laid out for 30 days. There was even smoke in the, in the building. The fire department got called. It was the glory of God. There was people who came for their next fix because they heard a sound. So they were tr- following the sound to the church building. They got saved, healed, and delivered. It was about 30 days where I didn't even leave the building because I, didn't wanna, I was scared to leave. I didn't want to leave the glory. I was ruined. And so I, 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 I believe, but, but after 30 days, that that kabod, that heaviness, that glory. We felt it lift. And I remember weeping. I was like, God, I can't, I can't live without your presence. I can't do this church thing, this church game anymore. I, I'm, I'm ruined. Revival ruined my life. <laughs> I said, God, I can't go back. And he said, TJ, if you're willing, you can live in revival. Even if you're the only one, thank God I'm not. But even if you're the only one, you can burn for me for the rest of your life. TJ, are you willing to give your life for revival? I said, God, I, I, I want to give my life for revival. I want to be a burning one right into the millennial reign. I, I want to be a burning one for right until eternity, until I see your eyes. I want to be a burning one. So this is stewarding personal revival. It's about a lifestyle of revival. I want to I wanna bless you with this. Come on, God bless you. Think, you know, I believe a wise man saves up an inheritance for his children's children. And revival is not about a good meeting. It's not about miracles, just miracles, signs and wonders and salvations. It's, oh, I love all of that stuff. But I believe that there is a legacy of revival that we get to pass on to our children's children. What you're doing today is passing on an inheritance of, of revival to your kids' kids. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. So I, I felt on assignment today. I felt on assignment. And I was asking the Lord, Lord, what can I say? I've, I've been at a lot of conferences. I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. I've been at a lot of church services. And what could I say? What could I say that's not already been said? What could I say that could help? You know, I just, I've been to so many church services. I've spoken at many, many. Sometimes it's like three times a week I'm ministering. And, and across Canada, I'm like, the problem with being a prophetic person is that you see the potential. You see the kingdom of God coming. You, you, you know that it's here, it's at hand, but you see the potential for your city. And I've been to cities where I've seen a hundred souls saved, and I've gone back, and the city is the same. I've been in meetings where blind eyes have opened up. I've been in meetings with Charlie Robinson. I've seen dental miracles and the crazy stuff that would blow my mind. I've seen many people, 60 people baptized, dedicating their lives to the Lord. With Sammy in Montreal, 600 men giving their lives to Jesus. And it, but, but the city remains the same. I said, God, as a prophetic person, as a burning one, as a revivalist, I want the city. I want Canada to be saved. I, 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 can a nation be saved in a day? I'm, I'm a wild dreamer. I'm crazy like that. I just, I just dare to believe for the ridiculous. <laughs> I just 
just dare to believe for the ridiculous. So I'm like, God, can a nation be saved for a day? And God started um, ministering to me. He started showing to me um, uh, about Jesus, how he came as a rabbi and how he came as a king. And how one of the things that we're in an urgent time, you guys, I believe of discipleship and activation. We're in an urgent time. I had a dream. I had a dream uh, three weeks ago, and it was uh, that my, we had a new member in our family, and that mem- new, new brother was Ant-Man. Has anybody seen Ant-Man? <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> I love it. But this movie, Ant-Man, he's a superhero. If, you, if you're familiar with the comic, he can shrink down. He can grow really big. He can fly. He can shoot lasers. He's, he's a superhero. And I was excited because all of a sudden, my, 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 I have a new brother, and that brother's Ant-Man. It's awesome. And so the only problem is sometimes he'd have to shrink down and he would have to go into this incubation tank and he'd have to be like put on life support. Like it was almost like Luke Skywalker in the tank, right? Like put on life support. And he would be in this like comatose state for a little while and then he would come back to full size and we'd play and have fun and it was awesome. But he kept going back into this tank. And so after about uh, a while, I said to my brothers and my family, guys, we need to pray for our brother Ant-Man so that he, he doesn't have to keep going back into this tank. And, and my brother came to me and says, TJ, we, we've just been scared to tell you, but, but Ant-Man has been dead for two weeks. And I remember feeling this deep sense of loss. And, and, and I, I woke up for the dream. And for three days, I felt this deep sense of loss, almost like grieving Ant-Man. <laughs> but I was like, God, what, what, what does this mean? And God spoke to me. And he says, TJ, Ant-Man represents a new uh, influx of, of, of heroes that are coming into the kingdom of God. New brothers and sisters in Christ that are coming into the kingdom of God. And they are finding that they can grow really quickly in the gifts. That they can move in the supernatural really, really, really quickly. But there is this tendency to shrink back. And that if they're brought... But the thing is, they were a new brother. They were brought into family. But if we don't learn as family to release them, to equip them, to, to build their character, to disciple them, then, then this church actually could suffer a great loss. And I felt an urgency that how to even shift the things that I am doing in ministry. Because I don't want to go from just place to place and speaking at conference. I really felt an urgency in my heart. I need to get back to discipling and equipping and creating platform for the younger generation to start moving in the supernatural, in revival like they're supposed to and they're called to. But with good family so that we can equip them and we can be there to protect them. They can make mistakes. Guys, there is an urgency. And I say this to leaders I say there is an urgency to equip all of the saints, to equip all the young ones who are coming in because there is this league of superheroes that are about to be released in Canada, but they need to be equipped by good family. They need to be equipped by good family. And so this was, this was burning in my heart. And Jesus, you know, in Jesus' ministry, in three years, he poured out so much revelation and miracles that it could not be contained in all of the libraries of all the world. And what did he do? He did it with 12 people. He didn't build a big ministry. See, religion always likes to build big ministries. Jesus likes to build big people. And so Jesus came and he poured into 12 people. This is how he church planted. This, he poured into 12 people and made sure he didn't get too big. And he just poured into 12 people and he came to promote them. He says, you guys are going to go and do greater things than me. Isn't that amazing? This is how Jesus did ministry. He taught them crazy things like the meek will inherit the earth. Here, this is how you take over a city. Let's wash feet. 
He comes in meek and lowly riding on a donkey and, and, and Pilate comes on his war horse riding into the city. Which way? Jesus is saying, here, this is how we're going to take over cities. Did you know that Jesus was so hidden in humility that Herod couldn't kill him? He was hidden. He came in a manger. He came. He was hidden in a stable. He was hidden. The king of kings and the Lord of lords was so hidden in humility that all the warfare just went over his head. This is a key. This is a key for somebody. Some of the pride will make you a target for the enemy. But if you stay hidden in humility, you'll be surprised at the warfare that will just fly over your head. Go low, you guys. Jesus taught people how to go low. And so he, he, I love how Jesus built the church. This is amazing. You know, rabbis had uh, yokes, and their, their yokes was their ministry, their doctrine, their, 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 the work of their ministry. And rabbis had these hard yokes, you guys. You had to trim your beard. My, my son Dax, his favorite thing is bacon. You weren't allowed to eat that. <laughs> they had this hard ministry that they called people to, and it was a hard yoke. And, and, and there was this rumor about this rabbi named Yeshua that, that, that his yoke was easy and his burden was light. See, Jesus' ministry was so filled with grace and truth and freedom, it drew crowds because of the grace and the kindness and the, and the non-religious way that Jesus ministered. Because religion wanted to put a hard yoke on people. Listen to this. It, it says um, in Matthew eleven thirty, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. You know, Jesus didn't all just have a ministry, an easy yoke. He had a ministry of destroying yokes, which made him particularly unpopular with the religious crowds. Jesus had a ministry of destroying. I love in the King James because it says destroy the yoke. It doesn't just say break the yoke. They had enough guts to say destroy the yoke, which I believe is the proper interpretation. Because if you take a coffee cup and you throw it down and it breaks into seven pieces, maybe you can super glue it back together and maybe you could use it again. But Jesus came and when he ministered, he ministered in such a way that he obliterated the religious yoke. He obliterated, the, he blew people's minds and obliterated the religious yoke. You know, I felt the Lord say that this house has a ministry of destroying yokes. Bringing people out of religious oppression and into freedom and grace and truth. In the presence of Jesus, there is freedom. Amen. There is freedom. And so, you know, in, in Isaiah 10, 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. You know, if you look into some of the commentaries, they say that, that, that the yoke wouldn't even fit on the neck anymore because of, that they had tasted and seen of the goodness of God and their necks had gotten fat. <laughs> I pray that we would feast on the grace and the love and the joy and the peace of God so that the old religious yoke just doesn't fit on our necks anymore. Just doesn't fit on us anymore. You know, I, I love, uh, you know, how Jesus chose disciples. Just so, so interesting because if you were to go to a rabbi and you got chosen by a rabbi, it would be like you just made it into the NHL. You would be a hometown hero because only the best of the best, only the brightest, only the smartest could go to a rabbi and say, hey, can I do what you do? 
And, and, and can I be your Talmud? Can I do what you do? And a rabbi would test him in every way. And if they memorized all the, all the Torah and the law and the prophets and they were brilliant, they said, maybe you can do what I can do. Come and follow me. Maybe you can do what I can do. Maybe you can be a minister like I'm a minister. And you'd go to your favorite rabbi and you'd ask that. And see, Jesus, he did things completely backwards. He went to people that very interesting people. He went, to, he went to fishermen who had to return to their father's business because they, they had already been rejected by the rabbi. And he went to them and he says, you, I know that somebody you know, has rejected you, but I'm accepting you. I'm qualifying what the world doesn't understand. I'm using the weak things of the, wor- the, the world to confound the wise. I'm going to choose you, fishermen. You know, Peter, rough around the edges. He had a knack for chopping people's ears off. You you know, like, (laughs) Jesus is like, I'll choose you to come and follow me. You know, and then I love, do you know, he went and chose a zealot. Do you guys know what a zealot is? A zealot would be like the, the modern, the Israeli terrorist, the Jewish terrorist. They were not allowed to have an army, so they had a secret army, and it was called, they were called zealots. They were zealous for the freedom of Jerusalem, and so they would stash, probably, they had a stash of weapons, and if there was going to be riots started or an assassination attempt against the Roman Empire, it was going to be the zealots. And so Jesus goes and chooses a zealot who has a life of violence and, and rebellion. He says, you, you come and follow me. You can do what I can do. He says, you know, the, the, and then he goes to a tax collector. Now, do you guys know what a tax collector is? A tax collector would be the traitor of traitors. Like, this person would tax his own family to give to the oppressive Roman Empire. Like, that guy's not coming to Thanksgiving, right? Like, you want to avoid this relative at all costs. But he was like, and he was the, re, like, he, he was the, he, he was completely, he had no friends in the Jewish community. And Jesus comes to him. And says, you, you can do what I can do. See, if you were trained by a rabbi, you would try to get their accents. You would try to walk the same way they walked. You would try to model everything so you could be the expressed image of your rabbi. And you could carry on that ministry to the the Jewish people. So when Jesus said, hey, you zealots, hey, you fishermen, hey, you tax collector, you can be as holy as I am holy. You can be as righteous as I am righteous. You can walk like me. You can talk like me. You can lay hands on the sick like me. You can raise the dead like me. Not because of your goodness, not because of your righteousness, but because of mine. He chose the most unlikely crowd of people to be his Talmuds, to be his disciples, to be his followers. I love this, you guys. Aren't you glad that he chose you? (laughs) Aren't you? Guys, I never thought in a million years that I would be holding this. I didn't even graduate from high school, you guys. I don't know if I should. <laughs> but, but you know what? God's goodness is way better. My weakness, I enjoy my weakness. Why? Because God can shine in the areas that I'm weak. I have to completely rely on Jesus. Because it's not me. It's not me, you guys. I'm just trying to learn to be the best reflector of Jesus that I possibly can be. I want people to look at me and they don't see me, they see Jesus. Because I want to walk like him. I want to talk like him. I want to lay hands on the sick like him. I want to follow him. And so I I love, um, these are the people that Jesus chose. In Matthew 28, in verse 19, it says, go into all the world, make disciples of nations. You know, I used to read that verse. Go into all the world and make disciples in nations. 
That's not how, what it says. It, goes, it says, go into all the world and make disciples of nations. That is some Daniel Joseph stuff going on there. You guys understand? It's like, go to kings, go to prime ministers, go to presidents, and start to disciple them in the, in the kingdom of God. Start to disciple and train a whole country, country in how the kingdom of God rules and reigns. Isn't that amazing? I think, you know, this is, a, this is a word for this house, that there are Meshach, Shadrachs, and Abednegoes that are going to be raised up in this house that are not going to compromise, that even when they're thrown into the fire, the only thing that's burned off of them are the things that would have held them back, that the enemy used to tie them up with. That's the only thing that is burned off. Not even their hair will be burned, but the whole country will be changed because of teenagers who are burning for Jesus, burning for God. For Daniels and Josephs, I believe that there's a company of Josephs and Daniels and Shadrachs. These guys, you're raising up people who are going to see Canada set ablaze for Jesus. I felt that when I came into the house. There was a young tribe. You know, God used three teenagers to, 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 to change Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. The big idols that everybody was bowing down to fell because three teenagers got set on fire. So this is Jesus chose these types of disciples. In Luke 6, Jesus calls his disciples, and then he appoints them apostles, you guys. Listen to this. Do you guys know what an apostle is? You know, apostle was not a Christian word. It wasn't a Christian word. It was actually a Greek word, and it was probably perfected more by the Romans. The Romans really utilized it. And so they would go to cities, and by the threat of of, of battling the Roman Empire, cities would surrender and wave the white flag and say, guess what? We're Roman now, right? And why would we want to take on the Roman Empire? So they would just surrender, and the Romans would be like, sweet. And they would just keep on rolling. They'd go to the next city, and they'd just keep overtaking cities. And then they would come back to that city um, a, few, a few months or years later, and they would find out that there is nothing Roman about that city, that maybe they're paying taxes to Rome, but there is nothing Roman about that city. So what they would do is they would come with a general in their army called an apostle. And the apostle would stay in the city, and he would bring with him musicians and songwriters. He'd bring with him artists architects, bankers, business people, and they would change everything, even the architecture about the city, and they would completely Romanize the whole entire city, and so that if Caesar came and stayed in that city, he would feel at home. And so when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, Abba, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, this was the most apostolic prayer in the Bible. He was teaching his disciples, go into cities. The disciples understood this was a military commission from Jesus to go into cities and change everything about the city and so that the music of the city would have the anointing of heaven on it. The art, the education would have heaven coming. How how many know we could use a little bit more heaven in our education system? Use a little bit more heaven in our parliaments, amen? A little bit more heaven in Hollywood's. And everything about the city. So Jesus says, you've been my disciples. You've walked with me. You've laid hands on the sick. You've cast out demons. But now I'm going to release you into cities to go and apostolize cities. But, but the crazy thing is, you remember when Jesus, um, Jesus um, got confronted and said, the, the Pharisees said, hey, Jesus, do you even pay taxes, bro? Like, what's the deal? 
And Jesus says, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Peter, let's go and fish. Isn't that a great way to pay taxes? Just go fishing. <laughs> and then in the fish's mouth, there was two coins. It was about four drachma or, or two shekels. And this was enough to pay for two people's temple tax. That means that Jesus paid his temple tax, Peter paid his temple tax, but the rest of them weren't old enough. They were 13, 14, 15. They were the proper age of being, uh, after their bar mitzvah, of being a disciple. They were teenagers, you guys. Jesus was running a youth group. How many would like a teenage apostle in your church? A teenage apostle. Do you understand how we've misunderstood the word? You know, I love what Lance Walno says, that you can, you can have the craziest wild revival meetings in the chapel on the Titanic, but if the ship is still sinking, people can get saved, healed. A hundred people can get saved. People can get healed, delivered, demons cast out. You're having revival. And then if the ship is still sinking, you know, I believe that God is showing us how to take over cities in love, in peace, in joy, in the Holy Spirit. And he did it with the disciples, you guys. Come on, this is Jesus' church planting strategy. He says, follow me, be discipled by me, lay hands on the sick, move in power, um, be released as my apostles, but then wait until you receive power from on high. And then get possessed with the Holy Spirit and take over cities. Isn't that amazing, you guys? See, look at Peter for a second. I want you to look at Peter. Peter was like, he says, he, Jesus prophesies over Peter. He says, Peter, you're a rock, and I'm going to build my church upon this. And, and what was he saying? He was, he, you know, a few moments later, what did he say to Peter? Get ye behind me, Satan. <laughs> Peter wasn't a rock. He wasn't solid. He wasn't mature. He was up and down. He was cutting people's ears off. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. We glued them back on. We don't take them off. <laughs> See, Peter was a wild man. And, and, and then Peter says, I'll never leave you. I'll never deny you. And then a few moments later, he's like, I never knew Jesus. I never, I'm not a part of his disciples. I, and he's swearing to try to remove his distance from Jesus. And they're like, wait a minute. You kind of talk like him. You kind of walk like him. And you, wait a minute. And then, G and then Peter gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He's in the upper room. The pillar of fire comes in the room. And every person gets their own personal pillar of fire over their heads. <laughs> they get possessed with the Holy Spirit. And Peter comes out. Not a good preacher. <laughs> Not an eloquent preacher. Bumbling fisherman who's kind of up and down. And just denied Jesus because he was scared to death comes out in front of the same people that were going to crucify, that he was scared were going to crucify him and kill him and behead him. He comes out that, that they were the same people, you guys. But Peter is different. He got possessed with the Holy Spirit. He comes out. He says, we're not drunk as you suppose. We're just filled with the Holy Spirit. And then 3,000 people come into the kingdom of God and the church is planted. This is how we're going to plant churches, you guys. This is how a Roman empire could not contain these fiery, burning Christians who are going from house to house, baptizing people in ditches. It's falling on pagans. It's falling on, uh, on Gentiles. It's falling on Romans. It's falling on Vikings who eat a lot of pork. <laughs> the Jews are like, what? I thought it was, the blessing was for, for Christians. I thought it was for us. And Peter's like, yeah, I agree. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, who are we to disagree? 
I was in a movie theater <laughs> uh, last year with one of my friends, and I was watching The Shack. And uh, I had my popcorn and my Diet Pepsi <laughs> sitting there. I started feeling the Holy Spirit in the movie theater. I started shaking, started manifesting. <laughs> in the movie my popcorn is shaking. I get so wrecked with the love of God and the anointing coming out of this artistic film on the silver screen out of Hollywood, getting touched by the power of God in this movie theater. I'm like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. I'm just touched the power of God. I'm sitting there next to my friend. He's a little bit like Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. He's so drunk, I never know what's going to come out of his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so bold. And he says, he says, at the end of the movie, I'm just in tears. And he says, no, no, it's not over. And I said, what, what, what do you mean? He gets up and he runs down to the front of the movie theater. He says, excuse me, I have an announcement to make. He says, that what we just watched, it's not just a piece of fiction. There is a father God who loves you with all his heart, sent his son to die in your place. And, and if you don't know him, if you haven't experienced the love of God, I want you to come down here right now. We're going to pray for you. You're going to give your life to Jesus. You're never going to be the same. And there's a lineup of people in the movie theater, you guys, lined up. People getting touched, people getting healed, people getting set free, laying on the ground. <laughs> there are people laid out and, and people sweeping up popcorn around the, the people laid out. I'm like, we're having revival in a movie theater, you guys. I remember religious, uh, uh, being in a religious meeting where they told me, don't be in a movie theater because Jesus might come back. And I was like, I want to be in a movie theater because Jesus is coming back. One of my friends, Chantelle Young, she was on The Bachelor Canada, and she was, uh, uh, she, she was on there for about halfway through, and she, she, it was shocking on the, on the she, she said that she'd never, she, she was a virgin, she's a 23-year-old virgin, and this was shocking to a lot of can Canadian television. What, 23 years old, you've never, you know, never had sex, this is wild. And she says, yeah, it's Jesus, I, you know, I'm married to Jesus, you know, I just... <laughs> And then she starts ministering on this reality television show. And the producers got touched, you guys. And so they said on Sunday, can you do a Sunday service for us? And we'll have all the people with, you know, all of our, in Toronto and Vancouver, they can stream it and they can have a service all through all of our production facilities. So you got Vancouver, house, Real Housewives of Vancouver and the producers and all these people. And she ministers the gospel, you guys. Ministers the gospel. People getting touched in Hollywood, in society. I want to quickly, I'm going to end right in a second, but when I was 15, I, uh, when I was 15 years old, um, my, our, my dad's church split, and uh, I was homeschooled in the middle of nowhere, because my dad's church is in, in Breton, and it's a town of about 500, and we we're 15 minutes outside of that in the bush, and it was an hour outside of Edmonton, and and my only social circle was my youth group and my, uh, my, my baseball team. <laughs> and, uh, and I lost all of my friends in one day. And I remember as a teenage boy who loved being popular and having friends that my world just imploded. And I felt isolated and alone and lonely and I felt sorry for myself and I let that depression, oppression start to um, nurture, I nurtured it in my life, and I felt good to feel sorry for myself, so I started listening to Marilyn Manson, and I, and I could relate to his hurt, I could relate to his pain, I didn't know this, but he was bullied in his Catholic church youth group, 
And uh, he, he grew up with an anger towards God. Now, I, did, I wasn't angry towards God. I was a pastor's kid. I was born again. I knew God, but I was angry at the church. I was angry at my friends who I felt had all deserted me. I was like, God, this life has nothing for me. I started to get more depressed. And, and, and I related to the spiritual element. There was something spiritual, but there was also there was this, this hurt that it, I felt good to listen to this music. And I started listening to more of this music. I found out that, that, that he was coming to Edmonton. And uh, he almost got banned from Canada, but he made it across the border. He came to Edmonton, so I, I snuck in. I, 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 I hitchhiked, or, or I forget how. I think some of my friends were driving. I found a way to get, sneak out of the house and go to Edmonton. I got to this concert, and in this concert was probably the, <laughs> the best picture of hell that I'd ever experienced. There was so much pain, so much hurt, so much violence. Not a happy place, you guys. This was their outlet to get all of their pain out on the dance floor. And, and I remember being in the middle of this mosh pit thinking, I am done. I want to get out. And for, I started thinking thoughts that weren't my, my own, the suicidal thoughts. And I started thinking, I'm going to end my life tonight. And in the middle of the Marilyn Manson mosh pit, I had one of my first real encounters with the supernatural power of God. Everything paused. Everything stopped. The music stopped. The lights stopped. Everything stopped. And it was like outside of time. It was just like me and God. There was a light on me. I heard a voice. I think I heard it with these ears. I think I heard his voice audibly. And he said, TJ, look around the room. Look at the ones who are running as far away from me as fast as they possibly can. Look at the outcasts, the misfits, the missing puzzle pieces, the, the metalheads, the depressed, the broken, the hurting. Look at the ones who would never set foot in church. Look at the, the running. Who will go after them? You know, it says, without purpose, without vision, my people perish. I'd never had a purpose in life. I never had a vision for my life. I was perishing. For the first time, God gave me a vision. I was like, God... Give me the outcasts. Give me the misfits. Give me the missing puzzle pieces. I'll run after the, 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 the disenfranchised, the hurting, the depressed, the addicted, the metalheads, the hardcore kids. I'll run after them. I'll go after them. So I remember leaving that mosh pit, leaving that concert, and I started a band that week, you guys. I got a whole bunch of people. I'm like, we're going to start a band, you guys, and we're going to play in the darkest, most craziest places we can possibly find. This is not a Christian, this wasn't for a youth group, this was like, no, we're going to be evangelistic. We're going to go into the darkest, hardcore places we can find. And so we, we just started playing music, and we were brutal, you guys, in the best possible way. <laughs> I was the lead singer or screamer, <laughs> and, and we were this heavy metal band, and we got invited to this one place outside of Rocky Mountain House. It's kind of a secret. We applied to it. We didn't know what it was, but it was like, we knew some, some satanic bands were playing at it, and so we were like, we want to get into this festival. And so we got, we got, we sent our mixed tape. We did tapes back then, you guys. We sent our mixed tape and we got in. We were the opening band. And so we got there. We found out it was a KKK festival. <laughs> we're the opening band. So we got up on stage and we did something that we didn't realize wasn't that safe. And we said, guys, we're a Christian band and we love Jesus with all our hearts. And... <clears throat> And the beer bottles and spit and curse words are flying at the stage like a wall. And we're just like, bring it on. It's just fuel to the fire. <laughs> 
and we sang our first song, which was about how God set me free from suicide. And in our song, we're doing warring tongues, speaking in tongues. In the middle of that environment, we felt angels ministering spirits started stirring the atmosphere, removing dark spirits from the environment. And the same people who were cursing us and spitting on us and throwing beer bottles at us were on their knees giving their lives to Jesus. The Jewish man, the son of God, the Messiah. See, I believe God is raising up a dangerous church again. I believe God is raising up. Come on, somebody. I believe God is raising up young revivalists, young burning ones who are going to be apostolic in every mountain. They're taking the political mountain. They're taking the business mountain. They're taking the Hollywood mountain. They're taking the education mountain. Can we stand up? Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Just put your hands out right now. I believe God is releasing in another measure an apostolic anointing over this house and especially over the younger generation that is going to be released by, by spiritual fathers and mothers. Begin, just begin blessing the younger generation. Begin blessing the 30s and unders, the 20s and unders. Begin blessing them. God, we call out the young generation, the Shadrachs, the Meshachs, the Abednegoes. Within that, Lord, would you release them with apostolic fire to see churches planted in pubs and all in mechanic shops and in lawyer firms, in schools and in science workshops. Father God, we thank you for Holy Ghost fires all over Abbotsford and Langley and, and all of through British Columbia. We say British Columbia is burning for you, Jesus, on fire for you, God, and you're releasing apostles. You're releasing Meshachs, Shadrachs, and Abednegoes right now into British Columbia, into Vancouver to have places of influence. You know, I see people, I feel like the Lord says, write the book, right? The, there, there's somebody who you've, you, you, you've blogged and you've done like fantasy stories and there's going to be the anointing of God on these stories, these dragon slayer stories. I feel like there's a publishing deal that the Lord wants to give you influence. There's like a C.S. Lewis anointing here right now. I feel that. There is a C.S. Lewis anointing here right now. There, wow, 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 wow. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin praying in the Spirit right now. Just pray in the Holy Spirit. God, there is a deliverance anointing here right now. Father God, to call out people who are oppressed and depressed and addicted. God, we thank you, Father God, that this would be a house of healing, that this would be a house of salvation. The Lord says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of rescue. God's setting someone free from addiction right now. God's setting someone free. Father God, I feel like the Lord says that, that there is even, yeah, Holy Spirit is setting. There's a, an anointing of purity in this house. There's an anointing of purity. I see God washing where the enemy has tried to addict you and hook you. There is a yoke that been, you've been bound to. And God says, I'm destroying that yoke right now in Jesus' name. You're called to deliver people out of the same prison that you were in. You're a Moses to go back and set people free. The place of your battle is to become the platform for your ministry. God, I just thank you right now for deliverance in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You, is, is it Justin? Justin, I, the Lord, as I was brushing my teeth this morning before I came, the Lord started speaking to me about you. I've never heard about you. I mean, I've seen you on Facebook. I've never met you. In, I, I don't, I, were you in the, the youth service there except at Alberta Beach? Apparently, I, I, I don't remember, but, but the Lord said there's an apostolic anointing on your life. 
And I saw you as a David, and he says, I'm fitting you to take out giants. And you can't stay in the four walls of the church. You are going to be a set, sent one. You're going to absolutely minister to the church, but I see you as a bridge. That there is an apostolic and evangelistic anointing that you're going to influence influencers. That there's people of influence that have had nobody speaking into their life. But God's saying, I'm going to give you favor with men, unexpected people who, 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 who are outside the grid of the Christian community, the church. And God's going to use you as a fisher of men. And I see you just like one of the disciples of Jesus, that God's releasing you to t turn cities upside down. But that's because of your humility and, and your obedience and the purity of your heart to say, Jesus, I'll, I'll lay it all down. I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to run after you. But I see God giving you territories and giving you cities. I see you putting pegs, putting flags in the ground. You're saying, I'm claiming this land for the kingdom of God. But it's not just physical land. It's, it's the mountains of influence. And I see you not even in one, but you're in several different mountains of influence, influencing influencers. So God, I thank you. I bless him right now with that apostolic anointing, even as a young man, Father God, that he doesn't have to be an old man with a website and seven book deals and networks. Of church. No, he's an apost there's an apostolic anointing on his life right now to go into all the worlds. Do you know what? There was a time when, when the disciples went into a community with Jesus and, and they didn't receive Jesus in this particular Samaritan town. And when they left, well, the, the sons of thunder came over to Jesus and they said, Jesus, should we call fire down on this, this village? And Jesus said, no, no, that's not the spirit that we're from. And, 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 but the thing is, the scary thing is they knew their authority because they were apostles. They'd been released as apostles. They knew they had keys to cities. They knew they had authority to cities. When God released these apostles, that was like giving the keys to the tank in your backyard for your teenage son to go learn his and drive. <laughs> you are a weapon of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness. That's what I, I declare that over the younger generation. You are a weapon of mass destruction to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is moving violently through you. It's through love and peace and joy. And, and, and it's like the devil doesn't, it's like he's, he, <laughs> where one person stands, thousands of demons fly in the opposite direction. But there's a family, there's a community. Do you know how many thousands of demons are on the run, fleeing from this very spot right now? Because you're here and you're worshiping. There are new songs coming out of this house. There are new anthems for Canada coming out of this house. Do you know, anthems are going to change the nation. The music we listen to today will change the vote of 10 years down the road. There are new anthems that are going into the ground of Canada and you're prophetically going to prophesy, just like David prophesied the coming of Jesus. The song needed to be sung before Jesus could come. There are songs that are going to be sung out of this house. You know, G Justin Bieber tweeted... On, on, on Twitter, he said, I love Jesus with all my heart. Millions of retweets. There's people, I heard stories of people going to a church, going to a youth group, asking who is Jesus because of Justin Bieber's tweet. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Your one tweet from Justin Bieber could be more apostolic than our greatest church networks. <laughs> Just saying. God, we can be apostolic, but we have to touch the city. We have to impact the city. We have to bring heaven to earth. Can we give God praise? Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you, Chief.